Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 177 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra and I am in Toronto, Ontario and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? We're also joined by Mark Rubin the third, down in San Jose, California. So, where do you get the third from? I don't know, I just, because he's Jaime Lopez Jr. and he's got yeah. this, you know, cool little, little handle on the end of his name. We just start adding things like the way that uh, it's Gregory... <laughs> Esquire, yes. What Mark did I say? Rubin Gregory uh, Reginald Keo Esquire? Yes, yes. Something like yeah, that? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Gregory Archibald. Yeah. Archibald, that's right, because uh, I made it gah was his, his acronym. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Yeah, okay, cool. All right. Um, yeah, so Happy New Year to everybody. This is our first episode of the new year, January 3rd, 2000. Oh, it says 17 here, but that's 2018. Look at that. So we got a typo on our notes. Okay. All right. So well, the first sort of story we just want to follow up on is the story of the battery that uh, everybody has been, I'm sure, I'm sure everybody's heard about it, but let's go through it anyway. And that is that um, there was an issue, I think we talked about this uh, in our last episode, the fact that um, the um, Apple has been tuning performance tuning your devices on older devices based on the battery performance to, I guess, to smooth out the sort of um, peaks and valleys that you would get in performance. And I had posted, I talked about it on the show, but I had posted a, a tweet by uh, Guillermo Rambo, cool name, uh, who had posted a, a, a way to check to see how your battery is doing in your console. Um, and it, can, it shows like there's a battery health um key value there um, and if it's good it's good you know or whatever so that's what i got a link in the show notes for that um apple did respond eventually to uh the outcry from everybody uh saying that you know um that's why they were doing they were basically tuning the battery they weren't they weren't trying to the story was or the rumor was that they were trying to do this to convince people or to force people into having to upgrade to a new phone um apple has responded that that's not their intention again i'll have a link to their their statement here i'll put in the show notes and uh, subsequently i guess over the last week or so, they have announced a new program for people who have uh, iPhones going back as far as the iPhone 6 line um, that they will gladly replace the battery for you in uh, your older phone for a mere $29 as opposed to $79, which was the normal charge, right? So, um, and, I, and I know that iFixit and all those kind of places are all lowering their prices to match this as well. So um, that's good news for people who have older phones. I, I You know, to be honest with you, we talked about this on the show about like, you know, I wasn't surprised that, you know, an older battery with low, less juice would slow down the performance of your device. That makes sense to me. Um, you know, and other things like, like I've noticed over time that my battery is, is not lasting as long as it did, but I, I even find my iPhone 10 um, doesn't, it, it lasts through the full day. I'm probably at about 40% battery life right now looking at it, but you know, um, I have one of those induction chargers to drop it on at the end of the day. So it's not a big deal. But yeah, so I could certainly use a $29 battery upgrade or even a $79 battery upgrade in my, in my iPhone 6 Plus, but not that I'm using it day to day, but what what do you guys think of, of this whole thing? Battery gate, let's call it. Uh, I think Apple's doing <laughs> doing the right thing. You know, make it a cheap update and 
move on. Yeah, and what do you think about the fact that they were they were performance tuning the devices? I mean, to get the best experience, or in their opinion, right? I think the fact that they were doing it was probably a good thing. I think they kind of botched it from a PR point of view, but yeah, but uh, probably from a technical point of view, they're doing the right thing. Yeah. yeah. Have you guys hung on to your old, older phones? So now that you've moved on to your tens, I have an iPhone six still lying around, but I never never turn it on. Right. Right. Oh, but you were on you were on a seven or an eight. I was on recently, a seven or? recently. Yeah. And what you, so you, oh, you you're on the upgrade yeah, program, right? Anymore. Yeah. So you have to send that one back in. Yep. Okay. Cool. I mean, what about you and your battery? Dilemmas? Yeah. Um. I mean, I still have my seven plus hanging around, but it's just because I just haven't gotten around to selling it, uh, wiping it, yeah. and selling it. Um. Yeah. So I'm not going to take advantage of this particular thing. I I agree with Mark. This is totally the right thing to do, considering how poorly they flubbed everything else yeah. in between, except for uh, as he points out, the engineering decision of like which of these trade offs do you want? As the battery gets older, device randomly fails. You know, like just turns yeah. itself off at like forty percent because it and and you're playing like you know uh some 3d game or something and it, and it can't meet peak performance anymore or sure. slow it down um and have a, a battery that lasts you reasonably close to what it did before uh, i think yeah. that engineering decision was the right one to make in the context of all the other decisions they've made you know we, uh, people are i think getting a little sidetracked by uh thinness of devices and therefore headroom on, on uh presumed headroom on battery um people are getting kind of sidetracked by uh user replaceable batteries which come on this isn't 2007 anymore it's 2018 for heaven's sake like um, yeah, nobody replaces the battery anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, we say that we say that in a very broad brush of like that's not what people really want and care for, right? You would rather have things like um, easy wireless charging and yep. and all sorts of other things that that get around that very very niche act of like oh my gosh I'm going to go to like the Grand Canyon like in the canyon itself nowhere near a tower for like a week sort of thing. Sure. Um, and people people turn off their radios, they turn off their Bluetooth, they turn off their Wi-Fi to try and save battery. And I mean, you know, and they may have been doing that on, on an older device because they probably find they weren't getting through the whole day right without being able to charge it right so i mean i did find that too like when when you know last year or so you know i would if i was going on a tr- business trip or whatever if i was going to a conference all day i would make sure i packed one of those power packs to get me through the day or, or you know find a wall charger somewhere right so and that's just the nature of cell phones these days i think right yeah and you know whatever the history is it's very much a positive that uh for the low low price of 29 dollars, you can yeah get your um, device uh, with a at, at the very least like a better battery life than what it currently has because you have a phone yeah. that is that is older and his battery is not performing as it once was um and for many folks it's not really feasible to upgrade to the latest and greatest like i'm fortunate enough to afford the uh, the top of the line iphone 10 but i see plenty mm-hmm. of like average normal people out there who uh rocking a five yeah yeah like it, it's getting so old it's like it's almost like holy smokes it's i mean it's not offensive but it's kind of like i'm, I'm appalled i'm like how, how are you living your life like that i mean yeah. it's uh things are so far advanced and it's it's starting to slow down so that's good you, you'll start to be able to hang on to these for longer but um yeah. you know for a 29 dollars investment and if you're happy enough and you really don't care about having the latest and greatest you just want that battery to last longer or and you want your performance to not get uh seriously worse just because of happenstance by what's happening to the battery versus you know like operating system updates and stuff right i think mm-hmm. it's a good deal i wonder what it's going to do to the value of trade-in phones like we have a service here called orchard which i think is available to you guys as well but it was started by some students from U of T a while back and it's an app you download to your phone and it goes through and tests all the, you know, does the does the you know, microphone work, does the camera light up, does it take a picture, you know, all that kind of stuff and, and they kind of do a sort of on on the spot diagnosis and they give you an estimate on what your, your phone is worth. So I ran it on my iPhone 6 a couple of weeks ago, you know, when I was considering getting a 10 and they said they would offer, you know, up to $250 Canadian for my phone um, but I kind of wonder what this new battery, battery gate has done for for that kind of thing too like is it going to be worth more if i go in and get apple to replace the battery right to get a pressure battery into it right so and it might drive supply down so it might drive the, the cost up when you uh when you buy one mm-hmm. which in theory should oh, well, like drive the value up when you actually sell it yeah yeah when they resell it yeah because they like yeah they, they they trade it into me but then they turn around and resell it to somebody else who's looking for a cheap phone right so because i mean it's still an 800 dollars phone when it was new kind of thing right so mm-hmm. all right so the next story that i have here posted and this is from i think this was just a week ago, around around Christmas time, anywhere during the break, um, James Thompson, um, who is the author of PCALC, um, celebrated his 25th anniversary of PCALC. And and what's interesting about this is I've got a link here from from his site. And what he did was uh, during during this uh, last couple of weeks uh, or for a week or so, he had uh, PCALC for like a ridiculously low price, like a couple of bucks. Um, so I you know I grabbed it for my Mac, I grabbed it for my uh, my uh, iOS devices and that kind of stuff as well. But it's an interesting story here. And I've, I've linked here a couple of things in this 
in the show notes um, to his tweet originally, but also to two talks that he gave uh, about PCALC. And one of them was called PCALC Through the Ages, and that was at NS Scotland, I think, in 2015. And there was a previous one um, where he spoke at NS Scotland 2013, which is uh, a bit earlier. I don't know if you, do you remember Drag Thing, Mark? I sure do, yeah. I was kind of surprised when I saw this that it was the same guy. Yeah, so he's the author of Drag Thing, and and he wrote Drag Thing as uh, something he wanted on his Mac uh, early early in the day, and he also started writing pcalc, which pcalc stands for programmer calculator. So not only does it do your uh, your calculations, but it also does uh, binary and hexadecimal calculations as well, which is kind of cool. And if you turn it sideways on your phone, you get you get more like a scientific calculator kind of look, right? Um, but what's interesting about this in the second talk he gave, which is in 2015, um, he goes through the history of how he wrote pcalc from the early early days writing in you know in, in writing it for the 60 I believe 68k um, Max and then all the way through the different you know iterations of iOS 10 um, and all the different tools he was working with and and you know after he wrote drag thing and, and pcalc uh, initially he went and worked for Apple for a while uh, out of the Ireland office for a little bit and he worked on a few uh, projects and he talks about I can't remember the off the top of my head but um, he did talk about that in in his talk and then um, so it's a fascinating look at if you're interested in and I was I thought it was really cool to see this was sort of his history of working in working with a different you know the Mac toolbox back in the early days all the way through you know using AppKit and iOS obviously as well right um, so it was kind of uh, fascinating to see that sort of history of, of Mac development in, in in you know using one one application as as the vehicle and also talking about the Apple TV and and the watch and all that kind of stuff um, anyways it's a real cool video definitely definitely check it out um, it was fascinating stuff and that's all I gotta say about that okay um, I think Jaime mentioned this last week or two weeks ago um, but uh, we were talking about the home pod and comparing Google Home and Amazon with their Echo line um, and speculating, I guess, with the price of HomePod. Um, and there was some uh, analysts are sort of saying that uh, Google was dropping their prices around the Christmas, during the Christmas holidays, Google and Amazon, I guess, to get a lot of units out there are trying to, I guess, stem the the uh, impending doom that's going to come their way once Apple releases their HomePod. What do, you, what do you guys think about this story? I mean, I don't know about impending doom because at, at 349, <laughs> you're not going to reach the sort of market penetration that you would um, compare sure. against what like at twenty nine dollars uh, yeah, yeah you know on sale twenty nine and, and regular price let's call it fifty dollars U S yeah um, it's, it's definitely not the same thing um, but I, I think it's pretty smart given what they they both do right they don't necessarily sell only to premium audience audiences um, as Apple tends to do right selling to people who, who sort of have the luxury to to spend more um, on their devices but I think what I had mentioned before in a, another episode was um, I'm hoping that Apple can sort of fast follow on this it, they don't need a necessarily cheap device um, to mm-hmm. complement this. I think they really need like a cheaper where it's not you know outrageous to put these throughout your house. It's kind of outrageous for most people, um, even for someone like me who probably could afford to make that sort of investment. I really wouldn't want it. Like, do I really want a three hundred forty nine dollar um, you know hi fi speaker in every room of my house? Probably not. Can yeah, I afford yeah. to get a, a swarm of twenty nine dollar cheapo speakers for Amazon <laughs> or Google? Sure. Yeah, that, that's a much easier decision to make. Right but now you're starting to talk about uh, like light bulb level of uh, smart yeah. light bulb sort of level of investment versus like dang it I'm like buying like for every two rooms I'm buying a darn iPhone right like yeah. um, and so I I don't think it's I don't think it's too um, too early to call it and say oh my gosh like Apple's completely out of this market I'm like well no because the market's only like two or three years old and it's still growing and if we're going to say oh my gosh look how successful these $29 devices are I was like well yeah like I can junk a $29 device pretty easily I feel like yeah forget mm-hmm. that I'm going to get this thing from Apple that's way cooler right so that's kind of like the flip side of, of the penetration here it's not like you're um, as tied to one versus the other and I think which ecosystem you fall into will sort of determine which of these will make you happier and if you're listening to this very show uh, odds are pretty good that you're pretty heavily invested in the Apple ecosystem so it right. probably gets a lot of bonus points for that for you so do, do you know do you have, you have more than one Amazon device right more Echo device right yes like do they do they sort of connect to each other kind of thing or, or do you like if you had one if you had a dot could you get by with just a dot as opposed to the full Echo base station thing. Yeah, but it kind of depends what you're you're looking to do, right? Like if you want um, sound fidelity, uh, the Echo Dot is something you should not look at unless you're right. looking to connect right. it into your uh, existing um, high fidelity system. Um, yeah. They do connect to each other in terms of, um, and I'm probably going to get confused because both Amazon and Google have enhanced both their platforms around the same time. I think they can both do sort of like intercom style connection. They can both do, uh-huh. I think they could both do, um, you know, play this song through every room of my house sort of things. Like if you're just yeah, like Sunday does, doing yeah. chores and you're going back and forth with laundry and everything. Um, mm-hmm. And they are smart enough to, 
realize when you say, hey, can go do something, um, they'll both wake (laughs) up, you know, or multiple of them, depending on how close you are to to them, will wake up. But only one of them will register and and actually try to take care of your particular command. Oh, yeah. We got a we got a Google Home for Christmas. Santa dropped one off for us, and um, so we're, we it's re- immediately replaced our, our kitchen radio, which has been dying for a long time. Um, you know, I kind of thought Carol would use it more for searches and stuff like that, but we're, we're using just a stream uh, radio right now. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny; it doesn't answer to Hey Siri though. I'm really I'm not really sure why, but you know. And then I asked it the other day if we can change its name because Carol wanted to see if we could call it something other than Google, and uh, it said uh, that it would it would talk to the team about doing that. So I guess you can't change the name yet, just yet. That's but, uh, right. The Google Home does not support. See, this is where it gets confusing having multiple mm-hmm. because um, the Amazon Echo will support um, Alexa, James, Echo, and Amazon, and I think Computer as well, which oh, really? I would not recommend if you're a Star Trek fan and you watch those shows um, uh, very often. Um, I thought the Google Home did as well, but you're right. It does not because the thing that it has going for it is that it has both a female and male voice that you can select from. Oh, does it? They oh, don't call okay. it that. Oh. They just say voice one, voice two, but come on. like The default ah. voice for all of these assistants is female, at least for um USA market can't speak to many of the other ones, and it's it's kind of good to see that they um, are expanding that because not everybody wants a female voice. Right, right. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. We we, we were, I bought it through eBay because it was a last minute uh, decision, and and um, they were all sold out at all the heart and local stores. But it turned out to be an American model that the person sold me, and so you know we were surprised to find that when we were asking for the weather information, it was giving it to us in, in Fahrenheit. But we, we did figure out how to change it to Celsius, so all is good so far. And and you know it doesn't do everything that you kind of would expect it would do but because I think there are some sort of googly androidy kind of things that, that uh, it wants you to do um, there's a couple of things I didn't want to opt into that that it offered and uh, but yeah it's it's a pretty pretty decent little device you know if you just want to know like what time it is or what the weather is or ask it to tell you a joke and that kind of stuff it, it's sort of very Siri like experience from that point of view right so <laughs> but I mean I'm not looking to replace my iPhone with it right so or my iPad or whatever or, or even my, my search my browser right so search engine um but yeah, it, it suffices to do what, what we need to do. And it was a delight once we found that it can do radio. We're like, okay, cool, sold, you know, because it's the future. <laughs> but uh, it, coming back to the article here, I'm just reading that uh, it said that uh, um, Amazon was selling the Echo Dot for less money than the parts list would cost, right? So um, so they were losing a little bit of money on the on the Christmas sale. I guess to just get some penetration. That's what, what was my point about the initial argument or initial article post here? Well, the article also makes the point that both Amazon and Google are using the as loss leaders to get people yeah. onto their service. So Google yeah. you know, is going to try to show you ads in some way or sell you ads and Amazon is going to try to get you to buy products. So mm-hmm. so if they're successful, they'll make a whole lot more money than, than they lose uh, giving it to you as a loss leader in the long run. Right, yeah. yeah. But And it also gives them a foothold into the market. I mean, we were talking about the delayed launch of the, uh, the HomePod a few weeks ago um, and that sort of gives uh, Google and Amazon and Portana, I guess, more time to, to work their way into the home, right? So interesting, interesting to see how that plays out, or even what kind of role the HomePod is going to play in our lives, right? Yeah, I'm curious right. to see how delayed that is because I'm a little bit shocked that they didn't just take pre-orders anyways and say, "All right, delivering to you February 2nd. All right, well, at least I've got this pre-order thing that I can print out and put in a, a holiday card and give to my family member, right? Like, I think they missed out on that opportunity to just I want to give you my money to secure my place in line. I will gladly give you money. Please take my yeah. money. Take um, my money. And yeah. they didn't do that which makes me wonder you know how far away the, the yeah, release is further out than they're even letting on at this point mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah well there was some some um, plea pleading for a lower priced version for developers for us to write uh apps for them you know if, if that's going to be something we're going to be able to do right so or uh, scripts or what we call the sketches or whatever you do for the echo um, skills skills yes. yeah, yeah yeah so we'll we'll see if they end up turning it to be like the what people believe to be the original apple tv developer kits that were supposedly you know according to rumor and a lot of logic Mm-hmm. sense supposed to come out at uh, WWDC and be part of like the giveaway in 2015 yeah. uh, I was there they did not give them away and I foolishly yeah. didn't get the development kit not realizing that it was only going to be like a dollar instead of full retail price so. oh wow that's why you don't have an Apple TV I mean for a dollar I would <laughs> it could come in like a car you know like just these open yeah. circuits that you got to cover with like a cardboard box I mean I, for a dollar yeah. why not yeah. right? it's like a, like a raspberry Pi at that point or cardboard yeah exactly yeah, yeah for sure neat stuff alright so our main story here 
here today is uh, has to do with this. Um, you may have heard it as a meltdown on Twitter, or meltdown, or Spectre, or a kernel memory leak. Um, apparently, is a flaw in Intel processors that, ha- and this goes back to Intel's being manufactured for the last few years. Um, that there's a, a design flaw that allows for people to query the device and get um, information that may be stored in the chip. I believe, right? Uh, was it, oh, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong article here. Um, in Rene Ritchie's um, everything you ever want to know about uh, this, but we're afraid to ask. It's actually um, what Mac and iOS users need to know about Intel, AMD, and ARM flaw. He goes into a bit of a bit of a detail about what uh, what this is all about, right? So, have you guys had a chance to scan this at all? I've not gotten far into it, and the the frequently asked questions one will probably be good for me to read because the initial news I saw was all related 100% to Intel, um, particularly because Intel's CEO just dumped a ton of stock, and I think he's only keeping... Um, is legally required or contractually, I forget which, some sort of required minimum to maintain. And so people are uh, finding that very suspicious. Um, so who dumped their stock? The CEO of Intel. But I will oh, counter no that way. by saying, like, I'm not claiming um, any sort of uh, wrongdoing here because um, huh. that would be seriously foolish because the SEC will, will find violators, especially violations like that. And for that sort of level, you're generally going to have a, um, like, a scheduled in the year of like, all right, these are the days I'm going to buy and sell stock, uh, stock or like these are the people periods that I will buy and sell stock to yeah, avoid yeah. claims of insider trading. It's not claiming that, but I think that's what caused this to blow up so much on the internet, uh, uh, focusing on uh, Intel. So, so even I was completely confused and I assumed that it was an Intel only. So what I read is uh, in a different sort of highlight article, not, not this more in-depth one, was that yeah. there was some sort of design flaw where an attack can be made um, yeah. that allows attackers to get access to the kernel level memory, which is mm-hmm. a big no-no because you can get access to all sorts of uh, interesting key keys um, and that it was apparently so fundamental to the way that uh, Intel's at the very least, again, that's what I was reading at the time, um, architecture for the CPU that it, it could not be patched around at the, at like the, the hardware level. They couldn't like, yeah, you know, yeah, flash everybody's hardware. Very great. Sure. It was like, no, 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 we're going to have to patch around this somehow. And I, I'm less familiar as to how this is possible. Patch around this at the operating system layer, which means Windows, Linux, Mac would all suffer some sort of performance penalty because they're doing some sort of technique in software that would ordinarily be relegated to the hardware that's you know fine-tuned to handle right. that sort of processing yeah and that and that fix has a cost to in terms of performance in, in order to be able to do that right um, that's what I read as well there's a good analogy about how to think about what a kernel is and, and it was about uh, kernels like the god that sits between the hardware and the, and the software and um, you can't really see it and you can only have faith that it's there <laughs> and uh, you can yeah you just have to you can ask questions but you know you'll never be able to figure it out um, but yeah so the, the the from what I was reading that um, the Exactly what you just said. There's a, there's a, a leaky uh, section there where people can get into stored information on the chip, like whether like long term cache kind of storage or whatever, um, which could have potentially some some um, information that you may want, like you know credit card information or whatever that may be stored uh, in in the register somewhere that they, people get at. And in Randy Ritchie's article, and but just also too that that Apple has started patching this in ten thirteen. What are we at? Three one two two I think. Um, yeah, in in ten thirteen dot two I believe they've started patching this and and there's some some more patches happening in the in the beta but i don't know anything about it and and the person who posted that said he couldn't really say much about it oh at 10 10 13 3 um it's all the intel it's the the kpdi issue is what they're calling this intel issue um yeah so scary stuff i guess costly stuff for intel where's our chip guy think well i'm actually reading the original papers that are talking about this right now they're okay. available and uh so basically meltdown is caused by there's a fact that there's a there's a bit that is set on the processor that defines whether a given page of memory of the kernel can be accessed or not by a given process, mm-hmm. and uh, it's set when if if it's a kernel if the kernel code is is running it sets the bit and it's cleared when you're if it's a user process. Uh, but when you have sort of asynchronous out of order execution, I guess multi-threaded stuff essentially, mm-hmm. uh, then there's a way to access the information on that page uh, because in a user process because the bit hasn't been cleared in time right. because there's two things kind of running at the same time. That's that's what I got from just a quick scan of paper. But I just posted the paper in the in the uh, in the notes here, so okay. you can take a look at it yourself. Sure, that's meltdown. What is Specker? Not cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, not not good for Intel. Uh, certainly not good for Intel stock owners. Um, AMD stock owners apparently may not like bandits because their stock shot up. Uh, 
um, this article, the FAQ that you put here in the show notes for those of you driving home. Um, yeah. A lot of folks on the internet talking about, oh, just burn it all down and forget it. Let's just move Max to ARM chips. And it's like, well, hold on. Apparently some ARM chips um, are impacted. Not all. In fact, it, ARM itself says that the majority of its processors are not affected. Um, so this isn't just like, whoopsie, you know, somebody had a really bad week at Intel and haha, let's laugh at them. We're like, well, this is know, actually these, these papers claim that this is not an Intel specific thing. This is every right. processor is susceptible, to this, yeah. including AMD and ARM. Well, AMD says that they're not they're not susceptible to this, but um, but uh, ARM possibly is. Right, right. So it, it, it seems like this is just a really really sophisticated um, technique here that all of the vendors are going to have to at least pay attention to. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And just as a quick sidebar here, I noticed as I was riding the elevator today at work that um, BlackBerry stock has hit a all time a four year high um, based on the deal that they signed with Bandai, I guess the or Bandai. I'm not sure how you say that. The Chinese company um, on t- they're working together on self driving cars. Hmm. Well, speaking of manufacturers of this kind of stuff, <laughs> and I I sold my BlackBerry stock, so what can I say? <laughs> four year high is not saying too much. I wouldn't. No, I know, I know. It's, it's up to sixteen dollars. It used to be like a hundred and something yeah. or two hundred yeah. something. Yeah. So yeah, but but you know, I guess if you if you held on to your stock, maybe you could get some. I think I bought it at around sixteen or twenty when I was feeling patriotic there for a moment, but then it kept going down, so I sold it. Oh well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Have us the best of his tip. Come on, it's a Canadian podcast too. It can't all be American stories. <laughs> Anywho. Oh, well, speaking of Canadians that are doing good, uh, our pals over at Buddy Build has, had a big announcement today. So, Jaime, why don't you lead us into that? Yeah, apparently Buddy Build has uh, been acquired by Apple. Um, for those who don't know, they're the, uh, how do you describe the continuous integration and deployment service that uh, was cro- cross-platform, at least, you know, to um, not only iOS, but Android. Yeah. Headquartered in Vancouver, British Columbia. That would be in yeah. Canada, for those of you. Fans of the show, sponsors of the show. We thanks for their host, their support over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just really, really cool people. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the service here will remain available to existing um, paying customers. If I'm not right. mistaken, they're no yep. longer, unfortunately, no longer accepting new customers and right. existing free starter plans, which I believe covers uh, both platforms, as well as the fact that all Android app development will be discontinued on March 1st. We are recording right. this on January 3rd, so you have a little bit less than two months by the time you hear about this if you haven't already to start finding other plans which is yeah. uh, unfortunate for, for folks who get caught up in that um, you would like to see it be you know closer to six months to a year um, if possible but uh, I'm not going to blame too much on there I think the test flight uh, the Burstley test flight acquisition went kind of roughly the same way from what I remember so I think this is just Apple likes to sort of cut ties really quick and say nope don't worry about that we acquired you people for a reason and we're going to have you yeah. join the Xcode engineering team in this case and we want you to just get on stuff right away we want to have some stuff to show off at WWDC if possible. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can tell you that, like, having, you know, I mean, first of all, Buddy Build, you know, we, I think we were sort of um, started following them when they were first starting up um, back in last time we had an NS North here, I think. Um, were you here for that, Jaime? I can't remember. You were, I'm not right? sure if I was there for that particular year, depending on when it started. Yeah. Uh, this is the one where they had it at the, the, the church, right? Um, no, no, you were at the Chateau Montebello. It was mm. the year afterwards, right, that the Buddy Build started showing up. And um, they were, they had, you know, they were starting, I mean, they, had a sort of uh, a, a sort of unique way of, of dealing with uh, the challenges of getting you know your your device profile uh, provisions provisioning profiles installed and getting people enrolled. They're they're a competitor to uh, TestFlight in a sense too, in that you know they they have a way of installing you know with with almost a zero configuration um, thing. They came and did a talk at our, our Taco meetup um, where they demonstrated or Dennis demonstrated um, you know uh, asked one of the guys who wanted to have something installed on his phone, and so they he just sent him an email. And then the guy clicked on a link on the email, and it automatically provisioned his phone and onto onto Apple's ITC, and he was able to have a build installed on on the guy's phone like in in a matter of minutes, right? Um, which was a lot at that time a lot faster than the way you could do it with TestFlight, even. And um, you know the fact that they have the whole continuous integration thing going, where you can you can do builds to their servers, and uh, they work with some like they work in the in the banking industry. I know they work with uh, some some major banks. I think uh, ING Direct or Tangerine, I think they're called now. You guys t- have Tangerine in the states as well i think you do right i recognize the ing direct name it's orange right it's but orange. yeah tangerine makes sense as a name yeah yeah so um i know they work with them and they work with a number of because i've talked to dennis over the years about you know trying to work with this stuff and then we we used them at ray when like at the for the uh, rw devcon demos um we were doing some buddy build stuff there as well in one of the talks one of the ladies gave a talk gave a talk on uh Gemma gave a talk on you know different kinds of you know continuous integration and she used buddy build as the platform to build on so it was you know we in within half an hour, you know, you were had a, 
an app running on your phone that was, you know, you had just built. So it was really quick and easy to use tools. And I think that's probably why you know, Apple was interested in them is in that they were able to take something which is which is kind of a like a cl- sometimes kludgy. Like if you know, for, for those of us who've been around this for a long time, I mean, Mark and I have talked about this a number of times. You know that how difficult it was to muddle through all the sort of do I need to clean my build folder, do, you know, delete the derived data, do it, you know, get my provisioning going, and I can't put this phone on because it's not enrolled, and I can't, you know, renew my certificate till whenever. And they kind of took all that and sort of sort of a, in the same way that Fastlane kind of creates these scripts to to streamline things. That's kind of what Buddy mm-hmm. Build does, and I mean, clearly that they're they're doing a better job of it than Apple was doing. So it makes sense to me that Apple would be interested in their in their approaches, right? So so they're joining the Xcode developing development team, which is kind of an interesting angle as well, right? Yeah, I mean, so. I, they don't talk at all about specifically what they're working on, but yeah. I can kind of imagine that with the way that Xcode has built up its whole sort of you know handling of Git and how you just, you can just do a lot of Git stuff right within Xcode yeah. itself. It's like why can't I just have a yeah go go deploy one of these suckers like right now and then maybe set up a few yeah. new jobs uh, like oh this will be um, you know the special demo that the CEO wants and so that needs to be separate than our normal continuous deployment thing. But I still want it to be just as easy and I want to be able to just click 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 and and away it goes sort of thing. Like that's what I'm imagining and hoping and speculating for that I would love to see coming out of uh, this acquisition. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean uh, there and it's falling on two sides. I mean there's some there was some noise on Twitter earlier from people who I mean obviously the the developers who were developing on Android using Buddy Built aren't happy about it. Um, and you know I think that I saw a comment earlier today that that the way that Apple handled transition with Testlight, um, te- the opinion was that Testlight was a better product before Apple bought it and has now put it to where and created to where it is today. But um, I don't know. I find Testlight relatively easy to use and and uh, simple for people to 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 understand. Right. Um, I, I think yeah, from, I, I, from an Apple developer point of view, Testlight is way better now. Now I understand that it's it's worse for someone who uses Android. Uh, but, yeah. But just the fact that you just type in an email and you're yeah. done, I yeah. think that's amazing. I mean, going back well, even to, the, even the automatic signing now that they have now is, is right. Yeah, yeah. In the old days, you had light to, years better. You had to get a provisioning profile. You had to make sure that the every phone that you wanted to ship to was was accounted for in that profile. If you ever mm-hmm. if you ever wanted to add a phone, you had to go to the to the to the developer portal, add that phone, regenerate. Well, you first of all had to get the user to get your UDID and send it to that's you. That's right. As well. Yeah, was, that's right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, and then you have to regenerate the profile and put that back in, and sometimes that would just make all your certificates invalid yeah. for mysterious reasons. And yeah, it was just sometimes, sometimes just got really messy. It was black magic. Yep. Let's let's call it what it was, yep. right? Yep. Yeah, like so. I, I totally get the sentiment that boy, oh boy, did Apple not do a great job transitioning people from Burstly test flight to mm-hmm. Apple test flight, and the yeah. the migration was made even worse by the Apple test flight coming out and being largely inferior to what Burstly's test flight had um, at that time. Uh, subsequent to that, and in subsequent years, and certainly now, sitting here in 2018, um, across the board, Apple Test Flight is leaps and bounds better than Bursley's mm-hmm. Test Flight ever was, with the exception, the one exception that I know, um, given the way that Apple runs things, is just not reasonable to expect in that you still, you got to go through beta app review, right? Like, at the very least, it's yeah. as, you know, unpainful as a app store review process can be, um, but it's still not like, hey, give, give me your UUID and let me just, or UDID, and let me just randomly give you crap. Haha, <laughs> nobody can can yeah. tell me who I can and can't send this bill to. Granted, it, it doesn't have that, but that's not something Apple's going to do. But everything else, it's so seamless and like you can uh, easily redeem stuff and it doesn't matter, you know, which Apple ID or which email you signed up with. It'll just, you know, not matter. You, you have like literally thousands of uh, devices or not even devices, thousands of um uh, IDs that you can send to, and it, it's way better now. Like I, I totally yeah. disagree with the, the sentiment. Like, oh my gosh, Apple just turned it into crap. It's like, well, they did for like that first year or two, but right now, no way. Yeah, this it's is pretty way rock better, solid. So. Yeah, yeah. Even, gonna make, the, even I, the beta app review, it used to be it would take twenty four hours, something like that. I just did it today, and it took half an hour. So yeah, it's gotten a lot better. The, on, the only annoying thing right now, though, is the uh, the compliance questionnaire you have yeah. to do every single time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the other the other side of test flight that, or sorry, Bellyville that we're not 
not talking about is is the sort of continuous integration side. I mean, if you've dealt with trying to set up Jenkins is, is you can set up Jenkins and, and you can it, it works great. Um, uh, but you know when you start throwing lots of builds at it and lots of build queues at it, it, it gets pretty pretty ornery as well too. And and it's problematic when you want to support you know different OSs and you know maybe you want to build with Xcode eight or Xcode nine. So you have to do different configurations for that. And it's and it's very sort of command liney um, stuff. And like in fact you know you, you might want to run it on a, you can run it on different platforms as well as Mac. But you know really you want to run it on on you need to run Xcode on on a device right. So you need to have it on um, like a Mac Pro or something like that if or Mac Mini or whatever. But um, but Buddy Build does that as well. And and the, the Buddy Build thing is seamless. You basically you set up a, you set up your your job the way you want to set it up and how you you choose all the sort of parameters you want to do and it's like it's like a web interface and you just say go and it just go, goes off and does it so all that sort of pain that setting up a Jenkins server like we have an entire dev devops people who have to go in and set up Jenkins right um, but to to streamline that whole process too that's another side of of, uh, of the buddy build right. um, well and Apple does sauce, have their right? Xcode based CI system with the bots and all that but honestly I don't know a single person who uses it no exactly yeah even even now that they've rolled it into into Xcode itself you right. don't run on a separate right. X server and, right? and this is it's kind of a fundamental piece of modern software development so yeah. for Apple not to have a solution is, is pretty uh, well I mean they okay they do have a solution but people don't use it so so that's a yeah. pretty conspicuous hole in the in the development sure. flow and then on the other side the other the, the last part or the third part that t- that buddy build brings to the table is the whole analytics side where um, I don't know if you guys have seen this but if you you can run uh, a feature in buddy build where uh, if somebody has a crash it can actually record 60 seconds of video to show you what the user was doing just before that crash occurred right um, and then you know the, it's optional as to whether they want the user wants to send you that information but you get more information about what happened during the crash than you would normally like normally you have to wait for the go you know get the dsims and and get the logs from uh, from Apple and you may not you get a sampling of them you don't get them all kind of thing right where uh, with buddy build it's much the analytics side is handled much better in terms of you know how what devices are running it you know what what OS is they're running what issues they're having what happened during that crash that's another thing that buddy build brings to the table and that may be something that Apple's looking to integrate as well right so I mean the more magical Apple can make the whole experience the better it's going to be for for any developer not just for seasoned developers right yeah I think I think this is one of those acquisitions that will get sort of overlooked a little bit because it's not as as sexy as like <laughs> buying prime sense like, oh cars. what does this mean yeah. that's like a mini connect thing they'll put it you know it, it turns into face ID and it, it sells really well in, in marketing materials but this is something that I think will make you know average developers at least in the Apple ecosystem like it'll make our lives a whole lot better mm-hmm. it'll make mm-hmm. it that much closer to as soon as I've you know saved a line of code or or, or maybe committed it or whatever boom like I have something that's ready to distribute via test flight that we just talked about as an example mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and let everybody see it oh it looks good great um, oh there's another thing that Apple's test flight does that Burstly's never could do and that hey that same build that we all just dog fooded for the past day and everybody agrees looks good we can just promote yeah. that to be our app store build I don't need a separate build I don't need a separate step to do that I just yeah. say yeah okay this one's good send it that one so, I'm so it's funny you know I, we were, I just posted last week because we were off I posted um, episode 148 as, as our best of and we were talking on that show about how the new changes in the test flight and, and uh, ITC would, would you know with the fact that you could do stage releases we were speculating as to whether or not you could do A and B testing that way right or you know let out you know a certain percentage of apps you know with one build and another another one with another group with another build that is something you can do with buddy build and maybe that's another reason why Apple sort of brought them into the into play is that getting better reporting and possibly and I'm just speculating here of course that you know you could have um, your A and B kind of testing for different builds and things like that different features and so on and so forth right yeah. now before we get too excited we don't really know what's going to happen here we don't oh they could shut know. the whole thing down for all we know yeah, well <laughs> it, it, it's it's possible that they yeah that they won't use any of the buddy build software at all and just they just bought it for the team and the team will start working and the IP we don't know or they could take some of the existing products and and, uh, integrate it in with the existing offering but we'll just have to wait and see well I mean again like I said before and I tweeted earlier that you know they've they've always been supportive of our little show here and uh, we think it's great that they've they've uh, they've got a win right we can all hope for that so good on you buddy build right so and here we are at the Picorama all right so um, I guess I can go first with one of my picks here Uh, just this video I stumbled across while I was on the break there um, and it's it's actually about a year old but it's five advanced Mac tricks that you never used um, and just to remember what they are now <laughs> but I and I knew about a couple of them one of them is one of them is uh, you know you, you can uh, you can set
set um, in the ter- in the terminal. You can set how often Apple look. You look to Apple for um, uh, updates that are available. The default is is I think it's seven days. Um, you can set it to once a year. You can set it to once a month. Or you can set it to every day if you're if you're concerned about the kind of uh, problems we've been having over lately. Maybe you want to have it check every couple of days or so instead of waiting for uh, updates or having to go check them manually yourself. Um, that was one. Another one was about um, doing screenshots. And I, I you know I've complained a lot about my uh, disk space on my my little tiny 512 uh, um, uh, gigabyte SSD drive on my MacBook Air. Um, one of the things about it, they, they said a way of saving space is whenever you do a screenshot, it normally, it, by default, it saves as a PNG, but you can convert that over to uh, save in, in JPEG, which is, you know, and can be similar quality. Um, JPEG is a, is a lossy compression, so you do lose some fidelity in the image, but if you choose a, like a high-level compression or high-level quality um, as opposed to high-level compression, uh, it looks just as good as, as a um, as a PNG, but it may be like a, a, a tenth of the size, so you can save quite a bit of disk space there. Um, another one was uh, that I've used a, a similar command to, I don't know if you guys have heard of caffeinate. There's a command in your in your Mac called caffeinate that you can run that uh, if you need to run a process and you don't want your Mac to go to sleep, like maybe you're doing a big download or an upload or something, um, you can run a, a command on the terminal to turn on, uh, to caffeinate, and it'll basically wait until you go and tell it to stop. Um, what else was there? Uh, screenshots. Oh, and there's a, a very simple way to use the command line to encrypt a file and then decrypt a file as well. So those are the five tricks that uh, I knew a couple of them, like I said, but uh, I didn't know them all. So it's an interesting little video there, and I've got a link there in the show notes. I don't know if any of you guys had a chance to look at that one yet. I guess not. No, I'll have to review it afterwards. <laughs> yeah, so it's a quick one. I mean, and there's and it leads you to a YouTube page, which has all kinds of different tricks and tips and tricks and stuff like that. And there was actually one I saw the other day, and i got to find it. Now that I mentioned it, I'll have to go and find it. But it was um, a whole pile of things you can do with iOS 11 that maybe you didn't know you could do and maybe should be doing kind of thing, right? So, and then this other one, unfortunately, is going to mess up our um, rating if I don't, if I'm not careful with this. But it's one of these. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to paraphrase and say the uh, link. The link will be in the show notes. You can read for read it for yourself. But it basically is um, the clean version of it is oh poop git. Um, and basically, it's different things that you may do during your day of running with git. Like oh no, I've did something terribly wrong. Please let me use git to get out of this. And there's all kinds of different commands. There's like a reflog, um, which will let you go back in time and, and undelete things. Um, there's another one here. Uh, let's see. I don't know if you've, if you've seen these before, Mark, because I know you use Git on the command line quite a bit. Um, lets you go back and, you know, you can append, amend a, a previous commit. Um, you can, if you forgot to add a couple of files to your commit, you can add them, add some files and then and make a comment and then update your, your last commit statement as well. Um, you basically uh, made it by mistake. Uh, accidentally commit something to a master branch when it should have been to a brand new branch. So they show you how to basically uh, create a new branch, reset your head, and then go back and check stuff into the new branch instead of instead of master. Of course, a lot of this stuff doesn't work if you've pushed the, your or your um, to origin already. But if you're on your local machine still, changing commits after you've committed them is kind of a dangerous thing to do. It's one thing to reset head and get rid of the commit completely. But yeah, just be real careful if you're changing commit, especially if you've already yeah. pushed it. Well, you know, you know, that's what I was saying. If you've pushed it, it's problem like like for instance with us because we use um Jenk or jira um a lot of our, our commits are all, all have to be um prefixed with a jira ticket number and if you forget to put the ticket number in the beginning of your, your commit it happens right mm-hmm. um you have to go back and amend that that comment or you know or, or reset it back to get that in there and sometimes we do this with merge conflicts as well if we end up with a, a bad set of changes right um another one is committing to the wrong branch you can how to choose you how to go back and reset that back and and uh move over to the the correct branch. Just some handy little tips here on how to how to do things when you mess up uh, mess up get. And then the last one is of course uh, you know okay I give up and of course I'm I'm keeping this clean. It's all it's, it's actually pretty written pretty funny here. Not safe for work by the way. Um, but um, showing you how to uh, go back and just you know start over again from your master like how to remove your your current branch and um, start over. Yeah. So that's me. That's the, the first one. And I'm again it's uh, I'll say it in German. Oh shy as I get. There you go. That's my first my second pick I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So is this Jaime, classic game for free, or Mark? Uh, no, that's me. Okay, Mark. So uh, if anyone is sort of an old-timer like myself, <laughs> uh, they might remember yeah. back from the early 90s, back in the days when a lot of games uh, started using the, the CD-ROMs that were now a new thing that were shipped with, yeah. with computers. So one of the one of the early games that was kind of a revolutionary, groundbreaking game was one called The Seventh Guest. Remember that one, Tim? Yeah, yeah isn't this written by Graham... What's his name? I think I follow him on Twitter. I don't, I don't know who, who wrote Graham it. Graham Devine. Uh, but yeah, 
Yeah. So it was a classic puzzle solving game with a kind of a horror theme set in a haunted house. Yeah. Uh, and well, it's now available for free on the App Store for the iPad. I guess technically mm-hmm. for the iPhone too, but uh, but you probably want a little bit more. Yeah, Graham Devine is the author of that. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So grab it now while it's free uh, from the App Store and enjoy. Cool. It's not as fancy as some of the games you get today, but it's still pretty fun. Yeah, he's a he's a co-founder of uh, Trilobite, and they did Seventh Guest and the Eleventh Hour. I don't know if you remember that one, Mark, as well. Oh, I don't mm-hmm. know that one. Similar mm-hmm. kind of game. Yeah. Similar game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he lives up near you somewhere. Um, probably. Yeah. This is where yeah. all the cool people live, so probably he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, yeah, I've no, never played the original game, but I was familiar with uh, the existence of Seventh Guest. Uh, around this time, my cousin and I, in, in terms of cool CD-ROM games, we were playing Star Wars Rebel Assault, which mm-hmm. also has that same sort of oh, yeah, yeah. old-school charm. With uh, I still have that one. <laughs> hot uh, multimedia, he says, with air quotes, because it was <laughs> guaranteed to be on the box. Multimedia experience, which, as I recall, my cousin's computer did not have a sound card. That's how far back this mm-hmm. was in 1993. Mm. That I think we went out and bought one specifically for Rebel Assault. And had we played Seventh Guest, we almost certainly would have bought it for that, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Nice. All right. Yeah, I'm glad to see that. So Graham Devine is one of the people I first saw when I first went to Seattle for back in 2010 for trying to figure out this whole iOS um, business, right? And um, he was the one that uh, I remember specifically said, that, you know, like, if you're going to make a button, make sure it's mashable because you're using your, your thumb as the interface, right? Mm. And as opposed to, like, trying to make everything tiny and, and unusable, right? So quite, quite good advice on building games. Um, and so, Jaime, you have a pick for us? I do. I somehow never got around to doing this during 2017, but that's okay because it's early enough in 2018 that yeah. uh, you can have a link here to the 360 iDev 2017 session playlist, which, right. you know, full disclosure, includes the session that Tim and I did. So that's that's mm-hmm. on the playlist. There's like 40-some videos on there. Uh, also, it's very, you know, broad topics, some technical, some uh, non-technical, some sort of like halfway in between. So um, I can't remember how many tracks there were at 360 I did, but it was a multi-track conference. So uh, well, 41 videos on there. At least so. one and probably more videos that you'll enjoy. Yeah. So I, the audio was a challenge, but the, have you watched ours? I can't remember if we if you can see. The, I haven't watched the video yet. Have I you? must admit, I've not seen the YouTube version. I mean, I have the like raw copy and stuff that, that you and I were, were dealing with. Um, uh, you know, I've not I've not actually seen our own session. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of talks here I missed. I got to I got to advance copy some of them for my article I did for Ray Warner. Like I'll have to link these into that as well. But um, you know, let's see. Uh, like the talk by Kyle Richter, I missed that one because he was talking after I had to leave for my plane. Um, yeah, tail and pins from our our, um, our talked about TensorFlow on our. He's from our Taco Group here in Toronto. Uh, Bob Napier, Practical Security. Everybody should stop the podcast and go watch that video. Okay, now that you're back, now we can continue. That's one where he talks about all kinds of, you know, basically all kinds of tips and tricks for making sure that your uh, your videos or your, your sorry your security is taken care of on your device on your apps. Lots of good advice on handling passwords too, as well. I thought um, Jesse Chartier was talking about uh, things that you know trying to teach kids about coding in school that uh, a lot of us missed. Um, yeah, and there's some guy named Tim Mitra and Jaime Lopez talking about podcasting. <laughs> well, not specifically that, but it's yeah, uh, yeah, being yeah. a better developer by talking which sure. doing podcasting is one form of, of talking. But. Yeah, Ellen Shapiro's uh, Playing Nice with Design was a good talk. Uh, it was a good talking about how to work well with designers in your in your group. So if you And they wrote her, the company she was with at the time had written apps for, uh, so that the developers could, you know, play with color and fonts and try different things out on, on actual iOS devices. And they were making better decisions about designing as well. Um, and then Derek Slander, of course, he does the reverse engineering stuff that we talked about. He did that at our WDevCon as well. He did it here at uh, 360 IDEV. I think we missed that one too because it was probably um, after I was at the airport as well. And of course our pal Joe Saplinski um, also talking about uh, the, the science of moving others to, to work with you or buy your stuff or whatever. Cool. Oh, and some lady named Tammy Coron. I think I've heard of her. Haven't you heard of her? Yeah, <laughs> Tammy's is a good session and I, I always get the name of the session wrong. It's like, if you can learn it, you can teach it. Yeah. For some reason my get brain says if you can teach it, you can learn it, which makes no sense. So I apologize <laughs> for misusing that no, in order to teach it, you need to learn it. That's the thing, right? That's how, that's the, the secret to, to, to teaching somebody is you want to learn how to do something. That's how, So you learn it and then you teach it right away. Uh, yeah, cool. And how to become being a cupcake in a donut world. I don't know what that one's about. Yeah, lots of good talks. I remember it was a good conference. It's my second favorite conference after WWDC for sure. I will be there again this year. I'm, an, I'm announcing it here. You've heard it here first. Okay, so I guess that's it for the picks, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So, hey, Jaime, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? I'm on Twitter. It's at Dev with the Hair. All right. 
And uh, Mark, if people want to find you on the interwebs. Mark R at smapsoft.com. All right. And as I said at the top of the show, my name is Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine. And that's the best way to get a hold of me, you know. So, you know, last week when, when you weren't you weren't on uh, Spotcast, Jaime, I mean, and mm-hmm. I threw to Jonathan for, um, you know, where, where you can find him, I expected him to say dev with the hair. <laughs> you get <laughs> used to the back. patterns, right? I was like, what? <laughs> when we change it up a little bit, I was like, wait, who, what, who, what, who's? Yeah. 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 All right. All right. Well, that's it, kids. Well, I guess we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. That one's a little too soon to tell, but I will state that I did not see any anecdotally out in the wild, which, a little surprising, would be a very noticeable device. Hmm. Which, iPhone 10s? Yeah, I mean, like, outside of, you know, co-workers and, and people that I would expect to, to have them. Um, I thought for sure, just like the way I saw um, pluses when those started going out in the world, that I would, I would see some just kind of casually going around town and everything. That's true. Well, I mean, in the circle of people that I deal with, there's a lot of 10s, right? But um, Yeah, me too. Yeah, outside of the office. No, not so much. You I don't really look at people's phones outside the office, but a lot, a lot of people <laughs> in the office have it, even on they, yeah? tech types. Mostly 10s or some people got the 8s or? Ten, mostly 10s. Yeah. people got eights. Or what do they think of them generally? What are you guys hearing from people about them? Mostly good. I hear people complaining about the gestures, of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, hmm. when they don't know how to do something first time and, and uh, they try to do it the old way and it doesn't work. Right. That. I think Tammy calls that get off my lawn, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think her perspective was actually quite excellent because uh, I think I agree with her assessment that if you're coming into it fresh and new, it's obviously a winner from the, the gesture standpoint, with the exception of the fact that it's still a little weird to try to pull up the control center versus notifications um like yeah. a, like single-handed mode because you can very easily let your thumb sort of get lazy and drift into control center um yeah but other than that quibble um i think it's quite right that like if you already know how to use the gestures it will take some time and it, i don't know how long have i had the device a couple months now um i've gotten completely used to it and, and somehow i still survive uh, using my uh, ipad pro which is now starting to annoy me that the ipad pro doesn't work the way that my 10 works yeah so i'm the same way my older, my older devices <laughs> Are, are frustratingly primitive now. After, after yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's interesting. I'm just as we're talking here, I'm just trying this with reachability. I wonder if reachability affects the pull down, right? Um, and strangely enough, the the pull down for oh, that's interesting. The the pull down for notifications on when I when I when if I you know start reachability, so the screen is half the size, and I pull down from the where the icon with the battery would be, and I pull down, I get the I get the control panel come up. But if but not notifications, right? So if I pull down and I and I pull over the time, I don't get the notifications coming down. I have to pull from the actual ear. That's weird. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, so kind of a weird uh, weird paradigm there. Yeah, I mean, generally, you know, it's it's funny, like, as a day-to-day phone, it doesn't blow me away, like, you know, but then when I, you're right, when I pick up the old phone and I realize, okay, it doesn't do all the gesturing things. Uh, one thing that's weird is if, it, if the phone is locked and, and I, you know, I look at the screen and it unlocks, I kind of hope it would go to the dashboard, right? But it doesn't. It just sits there until you swipe up from the bottom. That's kind of an odd thing, odd behavior based on the fact that it's unlocked, right? But I guess it also unlocks. So you, I like the fact that it, it obfuscates the messages and, tell, and stuff until the phone unlocks. So other people can't look at your your home screen and see what your notifications are. Mm. I like that that aspect of it. Did you say this this game by Graham Devine is available on on the App Store by iOS or or yeah? Like, does it run on the phone? Yeah, I installed it on my iPad. Oh yeah, but I mean, does it run on on? Uh... Find out. I have it on my phone here too. It showed up on my Springboard of my phone, but I got it yet. Yeah. Yep, that gets running. Yep. Yeah, I guess video web videos, all kinds of stuff. Thank you.
I don't know if that's original music. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see him. I wonder if he tweeted about that today. His uh, his um, Twitter handle is Zafod, I think. Yeah, Zafod GLD. And, uh, oh, he's in Texas, Rockwall, Texas. Mm. So when did you find this? What? Uh, the seventh guest. Today. Oh, cool. Hasn't it just launched today? or? Uh, it might have just gone free today. Oh, okay, okay. Does it have in-app purchases, for chance? I haven't seen any yet. I'm waiting for the download here. Yeah, my grandson Foster likes these kind of mystery games, too. Mm-hmm. Did you guys play Mist back in the days? Oh, yeah, Mist yeah. and all yeah. the Riven. different versions of it. I never yeah. played Riven. Never played Riven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have them all. I haven't. I didn't finish the last bunch. Yeah, I don't remember if I did. Yeah, because Mist was on was on the iOS device for a while too. I don't know if it still is. You can get Mist for uh, iPhone when it first oh, came out. Okay. Yeah, but I, like I said, I don't know if it's still around. I haven't seen. It, it was big. It was like back in the day. It was like a you know uh, I don't know one, one two or three meg file. It was it was big. Mm-hmm. It wasn't your your tiny file? Mm-hmm. Let's see if it's on here anymore. Mist. Yeah, it's still on the uh, on the. Uh, it's it's available for Get on the App Store. Oh, it's called Mist Free. They must have had a Mist paid version, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, real Mist was ten bucks. Here's one I had this at one point. The Room, that's the one that Foster likes to play. I don't know if you've seen that one. Mm-mm. Same sort of idea. It's like all puzzles and stuff like that. Mm. It's interesting. There's Real Mist, there's Mist, there's Mystery. You see Mist? Because yeah. Yeah, it, it was by Cyan Software, right? What's the name of the company? That, yeah, so Cyan World. Mist for four ninety nine and Real Mist for six ninety nine. Yeah, I don't see Mist anymore. I think I used to have, I think I had it on my phone, which is why I'm surprised I'm finding it on the store here like this. So how do you find purchases now that you're, you have this new store where nothing works? <laughs> so, <laughs> confused Okay, so go to updates. Uh, I guess you can go to any of the tabs. You see your little user profile in the upper right oh, at corner. The top. Oh, yeah, it's hidden there. Tap on that, oh, and then you can yeah. get to the purchase list. All right, and Carol's purchases. Okay, I don't see user profile. It's a little. It's an icon. It's like like an, an avatar. avatar. I have my face as an avatar in the upper right hand corner. Yeah, mine too. No, I don't know what you have if you don't set one. Not on this phone. That's what I want to find. Not on this phone. Hmm, I don't see it. At all. Oh, I see. It does. It's it's not on the search screen, which is where it was, but everywhere else it is. Okay. Oh, my apologies. It's like yeah. on. Yep. Four out of the five, not search. You're right. Wait, Amplitude's not on this phone? What the hell? But I own this. I'm supposed to play my guitar if I don't have Amplitude on here. Commute? I don't know what that is. Amazing how many apps have been installed on our phones over the years, eh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many do you actually use? What's what I mean? Like, uh, I don't even know what half of these are. I think they must have changed their names or whatever over the year, years. And it, it actually looks like they're in order of when you install. That's kind of cool. Reverse order. Are they? Yeah. Thanks. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I go to the very cool. bottom. That's I'll never find it. So the very bottom for me was Flashlight, first app I bought. Remember Jared? <laughs> to do was my second app, which is from Erica Sadoon. First one was Graph Calc. Second one was Around Me. Uh-huh. Third one was more Yahoo Cowbell. Sports, this one, that which I don't been. think was Yahoo Sports back in the day. Well, it's interesting. The 32-bit ones are the cloud is not is like grayed out. Mm, yeah. Oh. Urban Spoon, Zynga Poker. Wow, look at look at this graveyard of apps. Labyrinth, Dizzy Bee. That was a good one. Market Circle. Is, you know, day, remember Daylight from Market Circle? Oh, here it is. Miss Daylight from Market Circle. Um, is not is 32-bit. Wait, what was that? My Apollo 11 app. Hmm. What was Daylight by Marketable? Uh, Daylight was like a uh, like a it was sort of a file maker clone that was about managing contact lists like for customer service and stuff. And you could do invoices with it. And it used oh. to run on the Mac and then they came up with an iPhone app that let you do some of the things. Okay, that's why I was familiar. I think I knew some people who worked there. Did. Yeah, they're well they're from Toronto, right? Oh, maybe it's different. I think they may have moved down to, to uh, your area. Mm, yeah, maybe. It was a pretty big company for a while. I don't know, I, yeah. I'm sure they're still around. Some company some app named Device Tracker here. I wonder what that's about. <laughs> Yeah, I keep hearing yeah, about that. Obviously, have the test flight pose sampler. I remember that guy from, I met him at the conference in Seattle, Rombo Show. I've heard of that one. Cave Bowling, that was a classic. <laughs> Cube Runner, BBC Music app. There's all these uh, apps that my grandsons downloaded onto the phones over the years, too. Epic Synth. Oh, okay. It wasn't Market Scroll, something similar. Oh, here's Layer. A, Layer was a, an uh, augmented reality app from back in the day. Tune in Radio. I thought I had Tune in Radio on here. Oh, maybe the Pro version. Oh, Mike Daly's app has not been updated for 32 bit. That was uh, an app he wrote in um, Cocos 2D. He wrote a book about it. That's amazing how many apps are, are great out here. Yeah, a lot didn't get updated. And, and surprisingly for me, some got a little bit of, uh, of a reprieve, I guess. I guess it was worth doing mm-hmm. the update. How do you mean by that? You Like you went back to them or? Oh, uh, I mean, I didn't reinstall them. I was like, oh, it was gray and now it's not gray. I guess they must have come out with a release. Oh, really? Okay. I don't have a list handy, but um, dang, what was it? Traveler guys. I met the guy who worked at that from um, Fodor's. He's down in San Francisco. 360i, Dave. I've heard of them. There's this two for couples app that is uh, yeah, that one's not that one's not gonna get upgraded. Yeah. <laughs> that in your in your your grayed up pile? Yeah, yeah. I still have it installed on my Mac or my phone. It won't run, but it's all there. Free app a day. Hmm? Free app a day is grayed out. That was that was a big thing back in the day. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm back at top. Pebble. 
Stripe. What's Stripe about? Is that the one where you guys can send each other money? Yeah, it's like PayPal. Wait, do they have a consumer app with Stripe? I mostly think of it as like a developer tool thing. I never yeah. really think of it as like a like a one to one PayPal competitor. That I don't know. It's all letterboxy. This seventh guest. <laughs> wow. Designed for a square screen. For free. Yeah, I'm sure this is the original music. Choose a game option. Yeah, maybe later. Geese Squad. Have a guy. Geese Squad. Yeah. That's been updated. Yeah. Hmm. MTJ, is that your uh, your license plate or one Greg found? I don't know how it ended up back here. Early December on your road trip. Oh yeah. I didn't get very many pictures from that road trip though that was my hmm. job <laughs> no taking pictures oh, yeah. that wasn't my job you're driving yeah driving driving all right well i guess we'll call it a day shall we yeah, all right a day okay <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a chuckle there from Jaime. all right well i'll talk to you guys later okay <laughs> talk to you later bye bye, bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.